Coming to you from Star Studios in Denton, Texas, and Tom Collins Signs in Limerick, Ireland. This is Coffee with a Sign Painter, a podcast hosted by sign painter Sean Starr and Tom Collins. This groovy soundtrack was written and performed by Fergal Lawler of the Cranberries. Thanks, Fergal. All right. Welcome back, everybody, to Coffee with a Sign Painter. Uh, got a lot of catching up to do. We, uh, as any of you who've been listening regularly know, we um, took a hiatus and uh, took care of some other things. And um, then that kind of just turned into month after month going by. And uh, so some of you were kind enough to reach out and badger us about uh, getting some new episodes out, which was good because it kind of motivated us to get off our butts and do something. So that's what we got going on. We got new episodes and we got a bunch of new stuff lined up. We're going to get everything uh, on a pretty regular basis going forward. Um, so today's episode is, uh, is a nice interview with Catherine from uh, the Houston Center for Contemporary Craft, which is currently doing an exhibit on sign painting. Uh, and the interview gets into the details of that. Um, and uh, my good buddy Tom Collins over in Limerick, Ireland was uh, unable to uh, jump in on this one. So we're going to uh, do this episode and uh, he'll jump in in uh, future episodes and do our normal shtick of uh, kind of a Larry David and his buddy kind of vibe we got going. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I, I sincerely want to thank everybody who's reached out to us over the last uh, couple of months. Um, you know, we got out of the groove of doing the episodes and, uh, you know, when, once that happens, it's kind of hard to kickstart again. So, uh, uh, that was a really nice thing, so appreciate it. And um, we will now get into the interview with Catherine, and then we will finish, as usual, with a uh, track from our Hooli Records to uh, get you going. So uh, here's here's my interview with Catherine. Okay, so we're with Catherine Hill. Where Hi. are you? Where Where are you from? Why are we talking to you? Sure. So I live in Houston, Texas, and I'm the curator at Houston Center for Contemporary Craft. And we currently have a show that is on view right now in our space called For Hire, Contemporary Sign Painting in America. Um, it's a show that's curated by Faith Levine and Sam Macon, who um, wrote a book on sign painting and also a fantastic documentary. And we uh, at the Craft Center really felt that it was important to, to give them a physical space to bring some of the artists that they featured in the documentary as well as some others that they didn't get to include an actual um, you know, opportunity to present their work in person for people to see um, together. Okay, and um, Kaylee and I were down there for, was that the opening evening, right? Yeah, you guys kicked us off. Yeah, so um, you're doing something I think very unique in that um, throughout the exhibition, which lasts through January, is that correct? Yeah, so originally 
And this is some exciting news for us. Originally, it was supposed to close on the 7th, but we've been able to extend it. Um, it will be running through the 14th of January. Okay. Um, which gives us more opportunity to showcase the work. Um, we, we kind of worked with Sam and Faith to do something a little bit different in our space in that we um, invited a series of sign painters to come in and actually create work inside the exhibition space while the show is on view. So, um, Sean, you guys got to kick us off at the opening um, with your, you know, reverse glass mirrored piece that um, you were able to do for us over the weekend. And um, then we've had a, a series of other sign painters that have come in. And we have two more um, on the schedule to, to come in and add to the exhibition. Okay, and who, who are some of those people? Because most of the folks listening will probably be familiar with those names. Who are, who are some of the other sign artists yep. that have come in or are coming in still? Right, so we, we had um, Israel McLeod created our uh, title wall for the exhibition. He's a local Houston-based sign painter. He's been, um, he's a fourth generation sign painter. He's been working in Houston as well as he's worked all over, um, as many of the sign painters in the show have. Then we had Norma Jean Maloney, who's currently living out of Taylor, Texas. Um, we had you guys from Denton, and then um, we just finished up a project with Ira Coyne and uh, Forrest Wozniak. Yeah. And they did a large-scale mural that um, basically gave an introduction to what it might look like to step into a sign shop. And it was created by um, images of their studios that they kind of mixed together, as well as they did some research around the area while they were here. They were here for two weeks and um, saw different signs around town and different aspects of Houston that they then kind of integrated into that mural as well, um, as well as some of the furniture that you would find at the craft center. So it's been kind of fun to, to see them work on that project. They just finished that up. And then um, Caetano Valenzuela, he's mm. currently in Brooklyn, uh, New York. He's coming in next. Um, okay. He'll be here at the very end of November um, through early December. And then we'll have Ken Davis, who's the final artists um, coming in mid-December. And um, then we, we also started the show out with a couple of folks that just sent in signs so that we would actually have something to show on opening mm -hmm. night. So uh, Shelby Rodifer and Bob Bahunek, and uh, we have um, Yvette Rutledge and um, Vince Mitchell. And uh, I think that is everybody that we, we started out with in the space. Yeah, so I, I guess to, to clarify to anyone listening, the show incrementally is getting bigger and bigger as each person comes in and adds more to the space. So uh, right. you definitely want to catch it and see the progression if you're available to. Yeah, you know, it's been, um, you know, we've never worked with a model like this before, and it was kind of a gamble for us, you know, opening a show with maybe only 25% of our space occupied mm -hmm. um, for a long time. 
but I think it's been really exciting, um, especially, you know, we've had people that came to see the show specifically. We've also had a lot of visitors who are just, you know, maybe they're visiting Houston or maybe they're just coming to explore the craft center and they happen to come in and um, we have somebody working in the space and it's exciting for them to get, kind of get to see what the process is um, that's unfolding for a piece instead of just seeing the finished piece and they're able to ask questions and I think, um, you know, that's something that oftentimes when you think of museums you see the, the end product and you don't really get a look into how something's made and that's something that we really try to emphasize at the craft center and educate our audience about um, the excitement and the importance of understanding how an object is made and, and what kind of value that brings to the, the finished product. Yeah, um, when we were there, we took the time to um, kind of explore some of the little workspaces um, mm -hmm. where you've got the artists in residence and it, it was very cool to see and talk to you know those artists that were you know some were using a, a, a loom to do weaving and um, just really neat to actually see the process versus just seeing the finished product it's pretty cool right yeah and I think you know I've been at the center for five years now um, and it's been really interesting to see that relationship between visitors and the artists that we have in our residency program and then also kind of seeing like how people are benefiting from that experience both the visitors that are coming in but then we also have artists that are maybe their um, projects are community oriented or they're getting feedback on their work or people are asking them questions about what they're doing that's getting them to think about what they're doing in a different way that it's exciting just to kind of witness that as well. Mm -hmm. um, and I think, too, it really kind of builds a, another sense of community at the center because we, they all kind of get to know each other on a, a deeper level, too, by being able to stop in someone's studio and, and kind of see how their own thought process is evolving as they're making something. Sure. Um, so I, I'm curious... You know, you're you're daily involved in that world and and putting together the shows and everything. And we've had opportunity to be in a handful of uh, gallery exhibitions um, where there's been a kind of a shift of um, this being a trade for most of us that are old mm -hmm. enough to have been doing it a long time to now being viewed as an art form like what were signs even like on your radar prior to this um like what what was your perception before versus now now that you're in the sure. thick of it sure um you know i think that i've always been drawn to um you know hand lettering and and seeing sign work around town um but it really wasn't Probably, and I think a lot of people will say this too, or have said this, I think um, really because of the research that Sam and Faith did and really kind of giving sign painters a platform to speak about their trade and the history behind sign painting that um, I found that really intriguing. And I think it's something too, you know, when you think about traditional craft, you think about 
wood, fiber, clay, glass, metal. Um, and for us, you know, at the center, I think it's, we're wanting to broaden the way that we're thinking about what is craft, how are we looking at um, craft-based objects. And uh, Perry, our executive director, and I really enjoyed Salmon Face research and, and all of the artists that were included in that project and felt like it was a good opportunity for us to do something different in our space. Um, we've, we've never shown sign painting. We don't show painting, really. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that, you know, sign painting has such a rich history um, just in, in the trade itself. It takes such an incredible level of skill and you know it's it's not necessarily always 2d either you know right right and i think then you start thinking about what materials are being used i mean obviously you know there's the one shot enamel but then you have like what you're doing um working with gold leaf and, and the gilding and and that just opens up a whole another conversation and, and thinking about the importance of material and what is going into creating that finished product or that, that end effect. Um, and I, I hope that, that, you know, what we can offer is that we're kind of calling people to start realizing where craft lies in, in their day to day. And so hopefully now when someone goes to their local coffee shop or restaurant or um, business, and maybe it's not local, maybe it's corporate too, but then there are certain details that, of a space that maybe they're looking at differently. Yeah, no, I, I think that's a, a great point. And, you know, touching on uh, Faith and Sam, there was a lot of uh, anxiety and trepidation, I think, leading up to the release of the the book and then later the film of um, how we would all be represented and how our story would be told. Mm-hmm. And there was just a huge sigh of relief by everyone because, you know, from Faith and Sam coming in kind of from the outside, yeah. you, you know, there was, um, I think there was some, some anxiousness on all of our parts of like, how, what story are they going to tell? Because um, like for myself, the uh, segment in the movie where I'm talking, you know, that was mm-hmm. maybe a couple of minutes out of like an hour yeah. and a half conversation. And I was yeah. like thinking like, oh, man, I probably said some really insane stuff during that hour and a half. Like, what are they going to use? How's it going to look? But they did an awesome job. And, and I think the focus that they chose of talking about the transition with technology and all of that like really spoke to a lot of us because um, you know a lot of us lived through that and came out the other side yeah and you can't really you can't really share with somebody one-on-one how impactful that was and how disheartening in so many ways but I think in in the context of, of the film especially they really told that story by pulling in everybody's input on it. It was really cool. Yeah, I mean, I really think that um, it's really exciting to to kind of have that window into your world, you know, and, and to 
they were able, I think, to pull together a group of individuals that probably, I mean, a lot of the individuals in the, the book and the documentary had at least heard of one another. Mm-hmm. But I think for most people outside of sign painting, they, these are, you know, this is an, a new experience for them. And I, I think it's really exciting that you have been able to share that um, with your clients and with other people that are experiencing your work. Um, and I think one thing that I've really enjoyed is when people have come in to do the projects for the For Hire show is talking to them about their work, but then also kind of having this conversation about what that experience was like um, working with Sam and Faith and reflecting on that. I think this is this show having happened several years after the documentary was released has been a good opportunity to kind of reflect on mm-hmm. that experience. I'm kind of curious, like, um, how, how that has impacted you, Sean, since you participated um, in the documentary and the book and, and have you kept it? I mean, have you now, because some of these other folks are also involved in the project, had any additional communication with say like Norma Jean or, um, or have you just kind of, how has that kind of affected you? Yeah, I see what you're saying. Um, that's been, that's been really incredible because I think most of us that were in the project um, were aware of each other's work and respected each other's work. Um, and but the, the the guy who co-hosts this this show with me, Tom Collins, he's in Limerick, Ireland, and we talk about this a lot. Is you know there's so much working solitary in this trade that you know you you're very much a loner and very much kind of tucked away in your studio working on stuff all the time that um, most of us are probably really socially dysfunctional at this point. So (laughs) it kind of opened the door for a lot of us to be able to like, um, I don't know if bond is the right word, but to have more of an open dialogue because it was like, you know, well, I, I knew like, Gary Martin's work and what it looked like and I really liked his work and thought he was awesome but then you see him in the film or you see Norma Jean or Ira and you're like okay now I'm starting to see the personality behind that and so you you kind of just a familiarity I think grew there and um you know like like Tom who does the show with with me he he was he's in Ireland he wasn't in the in the project you know but we we bonded just through social media and this all these all have tentacles that go back to the book and the film um and we became really really close friends and then ended up doing a project out in ireland and you know then really hit it off so we started doing podcasts together and everything um and so i i see that and it's like really exciting to me because so many of us are kind of like these mad scientist hermit people that are just in our shops doing our thing that you know we've also been able to like make genuine friendships and you know do stuff that we would never would have had opportunity to do and that's where 
I think Faith and Sam have done something for all of us that is like priceless is that it's opened up doors and opportunities for all of us that um, and a bunch of other sign painters that you know are even just now coming into the trade it's opened Mm -hmm. up things for them that they may not even see yet yeah that's that's really great I'm curious like have you had any um, like up and coming sign painters try to connect with you since you've been a part of this project yeah um we get contacted at least a couple of times a month by somebody who wants to learn and unfortunately we're not able to like extend that to everyone um but there there's a few people that i have been able to connect with and um like uh james roy thomas out in los angeles uh, he reached out to me early on. This was probably five years ago now, and he had just come out of the LA Trade Tech program for, okay. sign, for sign painting, and we really connected and hit it off. And so, you know, we've had a, a email thing going back and forth for years now, where if he runs into an issue or a question, he'll shoot me something, and I'll look it over and give him my two cents, and that's been really cool and rewarding. Um, and there's a there's a couple of people that I've worked with like that, um, and you know we we get approached about things like doing workshops and things like that. But uh-huh. when we're trying to operate our studio yeah. on a daily basis, like we may eventually do that, but like the whole concept of it is really daunting because it would take so much prep time and and things. Yeah, I mean it kind of shifts your studio practice and your your business focus i'm sure too if you were to adjust to that um it's exciting though to hear that not only people are interested in the work that you're doing but they're also people that are interested in re-engaging with the the trade too and and wanting to to continue picking that up um i mean that's one thing that i think um seeing the work in the space of the craft center we have um Bob Hunek's work right next to Remy Chue. And, you know, Bob's been working for, you know, almost 50 years. Yeah, he's like a living legend to a lot of us. Right, right. And But then Remy's been working for four years. Um, and I think kind of seeing, um, you know, we felt like it was really important to include how long someone had been working in the in the industry but i think when you start looking around and and seeing that and seeing people like bob who inspired so many of the sign painters that are in the show at the craft center um in the same space like their work actually in the same space i think it's really exciting to kind of see that um yeah and and that attitude has always been there so it's interesting that you tapped into that is um there there's people who are doing it and there's people who are not and i think that's how most sign painters have always viewed it is you know once somebody like jumps in and enters the trade and they're actually operating um Mm -hmm. you know it i i've rarely met any sign painters that didn't view that with anything but um, 
respect, you know, because we'd all been there in that stage. And, you know, right. there's guys way older than me that have gone further down the road than I have. And so I'm not there either. You know, it's like, and everybody gets that and is very supportive of it. Um, and I think that surprises some of the younger people coming into it is I think they're kind of expecting that they're going to, you know, get hazed or something. But we just want to see the trade continue, you know. So, uh, but it, we balance that. I think most of us do. With you, you also got to earn your your keep. Yeah. You know, you got to like dig in. You got to invest the time. You got to really learn, and you got to learn about the trade too. It's not just oh well, I you know I, I came out of graphic design school, and I, I think I'm good at you know lettering or something. It's like mm -hmm. there, there's a whole trade and a history to it, and a you know, there's a there's a lot more there than mm -hmm. just one little offshoot of graphic design, which right. I've seen that attitude, too. And it's like those are people, in my opinion, that are never going to stick with it. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's interesting to see. There is also this kind of group of individuals who are using certain like techniques with technology printing things out and then mm -hmm. kind of halfway hand letter. I, I don't know how you would really define that or call some of it. Um, it's like a direct like translation. It's not vinyl, but um, I think it's interesting in looking at like the, you know, tried and true techniques and then how other people are kind of using this like hybrid space to like design something on the computer and print it out, but then like finish, you know, finish wow. that work. Um, it's, it's been interesting to kind of see how that fits in too. Yeah. And, it, and in fairness on that front, especially now, uh, as opposed to like when I got started where that was pre-computer, there's mm -hmm. a lot of people, including us on occasion that are straddling the fence, you know, Mm -hmm. to where you, some of it's dictated by the client who is, you know, giving you a file or giving you a computerized right. font that they want painted and you just do what you have to do because it's also, yeah. you know, a business. So business. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, you know, I, I think um, I think it's always been that way, too. I mean, looking back on it, um, even when vinyl first came out, uh, I worked in a shop that did this, and I knew several other guys that did this, and it's really comical looking back on it, is mm -hmm. so many people were saying they wanted vinyl, but yeah. a lot of people didn't have any computer skills. And so what some people were doing, including the shop I worked in, is they would take a piece of vinyl, and uh -huh. they would hand sketch everything out, and then with, a st then with an X-Acto, cut the vinyl just like a machine would cut it, and, oh, then, and then apply that. So, I mean, th I think that's one of the things that's actually been really intriguing about this trade is there's always been, like, trying to fill the gap because you've got to get the job because the uh -huh. electric bills do. And so yeah. it, it's really fostered a ton of creativity sure. um, as opposed to just relying on, you know, computers or whatever to just right. do it for you. Which I kind of admire yeah. when somebody well, comes it, up with kooky stuff like that, you know? Yeah, yeah. Well, I also think, too, you know, I've, in talking to um, 
the different individuals who've come in and, and worked in our space so far. Like, for instance, like, you have someone like Israel McLeod who, you know, he doesn't really even have an email address. Like, he is kind of like, I don't, I don't want to be connected online. Like, I still am going to go out and, and have my practice by kind of word of mouth or going door to door. If he, you know, drives by and see that sees that someone's, you know, sign works looks a little shoddy outside, he said that he'll just go in and say, hey, you know, I, I noticed your sign. Like, have you thought about, like, revamping this? And um, he's still kind of very much, I think, of kind of old school in that way with mm. how he approaches his business, which I think, you know, today, I, I know I'm so constantly, for better or for worse, connected to my phone and, and emailing people and things, but to see, like, how different sign painters are taking slightly different approaches to their own professional practice. Yeah. Are you using Instagram a lot to like showcase the work that you're doing? Are you, you know, focusing more on going door to door, you know, and, and, and looking at, um, I think there's a huge diversity in terms of how different people have their own studio practice. Yeah, no, that it's very interesting. Cause, um, I've run into that as well. I, I was having a conversation with Gary Martin, who's down in Austin, and mm-hmm. um, we were talking about putting together a little letterhead meet, which is when you get a handful of people together and swap ideas and stuff. Huh. And um, he was telling me, he's like, oh, well, there's a couple of guys down here that I can bring. And I'm like, well, who are they? And it's people like they don't exist on the Internet. Yeah. Like, yeah. You could never find them, but they're good sign painters. And, yeah. you know, that that I think is probably... The underlying story all over the country is there's a lot of guys that, as the internet came on, they just stayed off of it and ignored it, and they don't use email, and they still just they have their little handful of clients they keep you know mm-hmm. uh, that they stay busy with. Um, you know, I I don't know. I we we've talked about that issue on this show too of like, um, you know, I, I'm definitely not a luddite. You know, I. Yeah. But I have that desire. I would love to, like, you know, throw a cabin in the woods with a yeah. shop out back type situation where you just, you know, it doesn't work for my reality right now. But, I mean, I also understand if if there are guys like Israel that are able to just continue yeah. on and not be plugged into the Matrix, like, more power to them. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. Well, I know he, he mentioned that... Um, he said that if he had an online presence, he said that he felt like he wouldn't know when to kind of shut things down. Like he would be afraid that he would get so many requests for certain things, maybe projects that maybe he wouldn't necessarily be that interested in. Mm -hmm. So he finds that this like kind of old school way of operating his business is allowing him more flexibility and being more selective and and what type of job he's choosing that's interesting because um i know i know in our case as as well as a few others that i've talked to when you 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 can on your online portfolio even you can kind of gear it towards what you're wanting to work on it and and kind of leave the rest out and it sounds like he's doing that in an even more 
uh, you know, extreme way, but yeah. still doing the same thing of just only interested in working what he on what he's working on, and that's it. Right. And that's uh, I think that is a the logical conclusion that anybody gets to after they've done this a long time is mm -hmm. there's all sorts of work out there. You can go paint arrows in parking garages mm -hmm. for the rest of your life and stay busy doing that, but like I have no desire to do it. Right. Well, and I mean, I feel like with your, you know, I'm familiar with your website, you're really incorporating a lot of really great media, like video clips and things that I think is really attractive to, you know, it draws you in in a way that I think, you know, I'm sure brings in a, a lot of clients, you know, um, by being able to see that, that process that you show. And, um, you know, I, I wonder, do you feel like you've gotten higher volume since you've been working with different types of media online to show right. your work or... I don't know if it's necessarily the volume has increased, but um, I think it's allowed us to be uh, pickier on the t type of projects that we take on. Mm -hmm. um, we've always been pretty busy, mm -hmm. um, but you know, I'm just I'm not willing to work on certain things anymore. Yeah. You know, and so even if we hit a slow spot, I would rather be hit a slow spot and then give some attention to around a studio of fixing something up than I would just taking every call we get and doing work that I don't enjoy doing. Mm -hmm. um, and I think a lot of it, too, is for guys like Israel, he's he's fourth generation. It's mm -hmm. like when you're younger in the trade, um, you're taking everything pretty much you can get your hands on because you're doing two things. You're you're making some money in which you desperately need and you're also kind of learning on the job. Mm -hmm. you know? And mm -hmm. so that's a good thing and, and it's yeah. helpful. Um, but you, that reaches a saturation point and once you kind of get to the stage where you're, there are certain types of the trade that you really feel like you've got semi-dialed in and you really enjoy doing, you don't right. want to give that up. So, right. you know, yeah. again, the, the example of uh, painting, you know, arrows in parking garages, like there's right. nothing wrong with that. And I've done that kind of work, a lot of it, mm -hmm. and it's fine. But, mm -hmm. you know, when you, like in our case, we do a lot of gold leaf on glass, Mm -hmm. You know, and that's something that I've worked towards for years and years and years to get it good enough to even offer, in my opinion, you know, where I felt good enough putting it out there. So right. it's like, I don't want to give that up and go back to painting arrows. Right. And nor should you. <laughs> you know, but like, painting arrows is completely good, too. It's like, yeah, it's it not is. what I want to do. But, but the fact that you're able to, you know what it is that you want to work on and you've found a way to to do that and to be selective and to make sure that you can focus on that. I mean, if painting arrows was your thing and that's all you wanted to do, great, you know, yeah. but it's, you know, there's, there's no right or wrong answer to right. that. Yeah. No, yeah. I, I, I think that's true. So the, the show is going to be on until, uh, middle of January, you said like January right. 14th. The 14th. Um, 
Kaylee and I are going to come back down for our, do you, you have like a closing event or what's going to happen? Yeah, we have um, a last look, which is going to be on the, the 6th. Okay. Um, that's going to be an opportunity for whoever wants to come down. I mean, all the projects will be up and um, it'll be an opportunity really just for us to, to gather and, and celebrate the evolution of the, the exhibition. Um, and to, you know, I, I'm not sure who all will be coming down for that. I'm mm -hmm. really, I know you guys will be there. I know that some people have mentioned that they want to try to, to make it down. So I'm, I'm just going to be excited for whoever does come and, and we'll, we'll celebrate. Okay. So, and that's on the 6th? On the 6th of January, yeah. Okay, I might have to do a lot of driving because I just booked a job in Austin for, on the 6th. <laughs> oh, did you really? Yeah. <laughs> we'll, well figure it out. We'll figure it out. You can rope Norma Jean into going and you guys could all like uh, take a road trip. That That's true. That's true. Maybe we could do that. So. Yeah. Well, that'll be cool. I, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what the space looks like with all the stuff in there because I keep seeing everybody's posts. You were like, here. That looks awesome, you know. Yeah. Well, you now have um, Forrest and Ira's huge mural is next to to your work in in your sign kit. Okay. So and it's you know it's the mural of the inside the studio, which I think you know that is a really nice pairing with your sign kit and and then the um, mirror glass piece that you did too. It looks great. So. Okay. Cool. Yeah. I'm I'm anxious to see it all. I think it'll be really cool. Yeah, well, we're excited to have you back. You're always welcome, so. Okay, thank you. Well, um, thanks for coming on the show. This was really sure. cool, and it's really cool to hear your perspective from the position that you're in and dealing with everything from pottery to textiles and all the other stuff in between, so it's really well, cool. Well, thanks for having me. Um, this has been fun. Yes. Okay, Hepcats. This is the part of the show where we play a song from the Arhuli archive, so pay attention. You can get these tunes from the legendary Arhuli records at arhuli.com. Now sit back, open up some one shot, crank up the volume, and expand your minds, babies.
Thanks for listening, folks. Tune in next episode for more madness from Sean and Tom. This episode was brought to you by Full City Rooster Coffee Roasters, makers of the Sign Painters Blend, the coffee Sean and Tom drink in their studios every day. Also brought to you by RebelRouserHotRods.com. Licensed apparel by Sean Starr, including support your local sign painter gear. 